you're not feeding bark butter, if you've never fed bark butter, and you, again, we've, we've promoted it quite often, and it's just a riot. I have to believe that my birds absolutely know when I'm going out to put the bark butter up because they're there within minutes. You know, literally mm-hmm. I'm walking back to the house, and there's a red-bellied woodpecker on my tree taking advantage of the bark butter they put out there. So if there's anything I'm going to put besides peanuts and, and anything that I'm really going to put really high at the top of the treat list, Mm -hmm. for birds. It's going to be bark butter. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hey everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome as always to episode number 78 Yes, we are talking about, it's October, treats for the birds, of course. We had to do it. We had to go there. And maybe a few tricks to help you get a little more activity at your feeders. And maybe no tricks for the birds, if you know what I mean. Right. Well, you know, it's like trick-or-treat season or pumpkin spice season. Uh, I've got some friends that call it spooky season. You know, however you're you're (laughs) celebrating autumn is on the way and today you know like john you said no tricks for the birds but we do have tricks of the trade for you to help you attract more birds to enjoy them as well as some treats for the birds that are highly attractive to help them enjoy things so it's all about bringing the joy of the birds during this amazing season and i absolutely love coming into fall love this season do too i absolutely do too it's a gorgeous time of year and you know, things change and, you know, it's that prelude to turning into the winter season and, and you just soak it in. You know, it's just like the the last hurrah this time of year, which can be just awesome. So hope everybody is getting out and enjoying and watching the birds in their backyard. And so far, I haven't seen any dressed up in any kind of costumes, but keep watching. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around for the fun, everyone. All right, Brian, here we go. Trick or treat. (laughs) We had to do it, like I said before. Had to do it. But it is kind of a neat thing, and we are having a lot of fun with this, as we try always to have fun with our podcast. And again, one of the things that we really enjoy is getting, you know, reviews and, and, and hearing from our listeners and getting the feedback. And boy, I tell you, we've had some awesome reviews lately. So if people will indulge us a second, I would like to just start off on one of those reviews and uh, share it with everybody. So it starts off, how much better can it get? I love this podcast. It says, I've learned so much about from listening to John and Brian. There you go. I have been feeding birds for over 20 years, but since listening to this podcast, I have been looking at the bigger picture of habitat. Yes. I've planted native plants in my yard, and I am loving all the bird and insect activity I'm seeing. Wow, that is just that's, awesome. We just That's the kind of feedback we just love to hear from folks, so that's fantastic. Oh, yes. Well, and very apropos for this season, <laughs> they go on to say that we've always had a family tradition of raking leaves the day after Thanksgiving. So no Black Friday shopping for us. Ugh, you know, they're, the retailers are all rolling around going, no. But they say, we spend the day outside raking the whole yard. 
and we live in a wooded area, so there are tons of leaves. Yeah. This year, I've decided to let the leaves stay. My family is so excited, mainly because they hated raking leaves. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, my family was the same way. We're, <laughs> we, yeah. we didn't do it on Black Friday, but when it happened, needed mm -hmm. to happen. But mm -hmm. they continue on saying, but also, they've been learning about Habitat too and how beneficial the leaves are to the insects and our birds. Thank you so much for a wonderful podcast. I just love hearing yeah. those those kinds of comments that, man, feeding the birds for over 20 years and learning some things and taking the bigger picture look to how can you really help the birds by the little practices you do at home, in your own yard, in your own space. So. I love hearing those kinds of like testimonials and success stories for the birds. Yeah, yeah. And just to follow up real quick, and I know we've talked about it a number of times, but the, the whole thing with the leaves on the ground, instead of raking them all up and either bagging them or burning them or doing whatever with them, uh, having them scattered across the ground, a lot of those leaves have eggs, insect eggs attached to them, maybe even some larvae that have cocooned up or are in the process of pupating. So the, the bottom line is there's a lot of insect life if you will in those dead leaves on those dead leaves and if you destroy those leaves you're going to destroy those insects and those insects in a sense we've talked about are kind of a treat for the birds i mean it's a yes. it's a it's a pretty big deal they can you know and you watch things like uh you know uh song sparrows and titmice and other birds that, that shuffle through the leaves do that two-step if you will and, you know knocking the leaves back and forth towhees do it too and, you know, it, it, they're digging for those insects that are hiding under those leaves and, and the eggs that may be attached to the underside of those leaves and that type of thing. So when we hear somebody say, yeah, I'm not raking my leaves this year, maybe the neighbors <laughs> may not be crazy depending on where you live. Although she says she lives in a totally wooded area, so it's probably a lot easier to do that. Uh, if you're in a big suburban area, it might have a little right. bit of a challenge. Um, but that's that's what we're talking about when we talk about leave those leaves as many places in your yard as you can. Very beneficial for the birds. Mm -hmm. So test it out. See how it works for you, even if it's small patches. Have some fun with that. But love hearing that feedback and love doing all those things for the birds. But John, Tammy, today we're talking trick-or-treat for the birds, right? Is it for the birds? <laughs> <laughs> or is it really just for us? I mean, here we are, October. Oh, so many, so many wonderful things in this season. Um, so, what do you love? What do you love about this season and the birds? Well, again, it's the combination of you know you've got some uh, you know new youngsters still showing up at feeders. You know, you're what you if you've had a chance if you're a real avid backyard bird feeder and you watch your birds on a regular basis. It's been fun to watch. Like I have two juvenile Carolina wrens that are hang, still hanging around with mom and dad. So I've got at some points I'll have four Carolina wrens, you know, working their way through my backyard, either at the feeders. I have a little patio deck. They get in there and they try to find insects in between the crevices of the, mm -hmm. of the deck boards. Yep. Uh, you know, it's just it's just you can you can watch the progression of these youngsters coming into their you know their first winter, if you will. Uh, you know, you have some migration still going on, but we're, we're kind of on the tail end of most of the songbird migration at this point. But that's always a, an exciting thing, you know, where who's going to show up in my backyard this year uh, scenario. So there's just, there's just, and of course, let's be honest. I mean, fall colors, 
Um, I was out at a state park uh, last night with my wife. We were doing a, a little hike, and it's just glorious. I mean, the colors, mm-hmm. all the wildflowers, the goldenrod are still in bloom, you know, tons of goldenrod. Uh, Virginia creeper, which is, uh, you know, climbing up the trees in crimson red. Uh, it's just, there's just so many things about this time of the year uh, to get excited about. And of course, and then there's the anticipation, you know, it won't be long that we're going to have some of our winter visitors coming back to visit us. It, it looks like we might get some of our finches out of Canada this winter, which could be really mm. exciting. Oh, yeah. The winter finch got, eruption. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we've got our white-throated. You and I were both uh, on separate trips, but we were both in Minnesota uh, last oh, couple not too, of weeks. Not too, yeah, not yeah. too long ago. Oh, and the fall yeah. colors were yeah. coming in, and it was amazing. Yeah. And I was, you know, yeah. you're, I'm seeing Birds. some of the, like, what? Yeah, white-throat sparrows. I had a lot of white-throat sparrows coming through up there, uh, junko or two. So, you know, they're they're mm-hmm. heading our way also. So uh, it's just, it's just it's you know, if you watch nature, the one constant in nature is change. And things are changing mm-hmm. this fall and somewhat in a big way compared to some of the other seasons. So kind of neat. Yeah, and I love that. And you think about the the transition with the birds and and you bring in trick or treat i mean there are things that we can do and you know you you hear "Eh, tricks it's not really nice to fool mother nature right (laughs) but uh we we can take a different spin on that and there are tricks of the trade that we can do that that can help the birds Uh, so looking at some of those those things you can do in your own yard when I always think of fall, I'm always thinking of like you're talking about a lot of those songbirds that are on the move and you get some of those birds that don't normally come to bird feeders, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. water, water features. Mm-hmm. Um, off and on in, in the past, I've talked about uh, my water feature. Anything you can do to get water moving and making sound, that's a huge magnet for the birds. Yeah. And I've got this nice recirculating creek water feature in my yard and in the fall and the spring and so it just happened this year i got one of my favorite birds coming through hitting my water feature again the swainson's thrushes there you go yep and i just i'm giddy every time i see one of them at that feature (laughs) it's just they come they know they remember it's there it Mm -hmm. it brings me so much joy just to see those those little birds that uh kind of the haunting calls of those those woodland thrushes that happen Mm -hmm. and they don't do a whole lot of talking um, in migration. So, yeah. uh, always love it when I see them and having a, um, water source in your yard at minimum, a water source, but if you can get that water moving and making sound, yeah. what, what a trick of the trade to really bring in more and you know, birds. And I know we, we've talked about this numerous times and you know, I don't, I, I don't have a good feel, but I always feel like this is, this is the next step for a lot of people in backyard bird mm-hmm. feeding in the sense of they're, the percentage of people that probably have a water feature in their backyard compared to having feeders in their backyard, I, I have to think, is pretty wide apart. Uh, sure. Putting feeders up is a pretty simple thing to do, and keeping them filled is, you know, fairly minimal amount of work and a little more work keeping them clean and that type of thing. But I think a lot of people think a water feature is going to be, you know, labor intensive. It's going to take a lot of time and energy and effort. And while it does take some, uh, you know, to keep the water fresh and clean, keep the, the bird bath. I, I go the simple route. I just have a nice little bird bath with a recirculating pump on it that splashes the water down into the into the basin. 
And uh, mainly because I got a lake and a creek very close to me. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and my birds aren't desperate for water, but they're not hearing moving water. And so I have that recirculating pump to splash the water into the basin. And How's that's that where work I, out for you? Yeah, that's why, you know, I'm really surprised quite often that, again, with the amount of water I have right next to my house and behind my house, uh, that that actually does work. But it absolutely does work and it draws birds into it. So uh, I, I think, again, I think it's the next step for a lot of people in, in pursuing the hobby of backyard bird feeding. Mm-hmm. And I think some people are maybe a little hesitant to do it, but, man, it does pay dividends, and it is, is definitely worth doing. Yeah, and that next thing, that next trick of the trade, um, you, you brought up. People have bird feeders, and then you got that water feature. But and sometimes this time of year, you get that slowdown that happens at feeders. Um and maybe, you know, maybe you're also putting out a brand new feeder. So one of those tricks of the trade is how do I get birds onto these feeders to see this food? And one of those things we always talked about is um, in the past, sprinkling some food on top of the feeder or underneath mm-hmm. it. Not mm-hmm. a lot, but enough because birds birds find their food by sight. They're always looking around for where can I find food? Is that food? Let me go check it out. So having a little bit, it's kind of like uh, doing a little advertisement. If you yep. can put some some seed on top of a feeder or next to the feeder or maybe underneath it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you have a tray uh, as part of your feeder, you have a tube or a hopper and you got a tray, make sure you sprinkle some food in the tray. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, Brian, because, again, for uh, some folks, depending on what part of the country you live in uh, and the kind of weather and the season you've had, uh, natural food supply for birds is at pretty much its all-time peak right, right about now. You've got all the tree nuts that are coming on or falling onto the ground or ripening. You've got tree seeds that are still available to the birds, like some of the, the hard maples and and some of the other trees. You've got fruits, you know, all your shrubs and, and fruiting uh, shrubs and bear and uh, trees, uh, most of them like dogwood and, you know, some of the uh, other uh, trees that, that produce fruits will be, you know, flush with seed and fruit right now. Uh, insects are still abundant. Weeds, native plants, weed seeds, which we call weed seeds, but most of them, a lot of them are native plants. You know, there's just a ton of food out there, and so it can really mm-hmm. slow down. So one of the other little tricks that you might try is if you just kind of have a routine that you feed the same things over and over and over and again, and, you know, you go into the into the to the store and you kind of march up to the counter and you, you get your bag of seed and maybe some suet and maybe some niger or whatever it might be think about and 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 changing up the game a little bit because one of the tricks you can do is offer a different food Mm -hmm. and and the the birds will respond to the different foods that sometimes you put out there one of my all-time favorite peanuts i love peanuts and we've talked about it before but you know there's so many birds that just love peanuts they're great this time of year with the, the high fat and protein content that they have and of course, you know our jays. Oh gosh, Brian, the, the, you know he, you and I are just amazed at jays and the fact that they, you know, love peanuts in the shell. Whether you're, you know, out west with you know, Stellar's jays or here with the blue jay in the east or whatever it might be, it is just a riot to watch the the blue jays come in and snarf down two or three peanuts and take off. And they oh, have some yeah. amazing they have some amazing distances that they go to hide these things sometimes. Yeah, jays just. Um always amazed at 
they like to cache those foods, like you're saying, hide them uh, for later eating. Um, you look at the jays, and one of the champion distance ones is the pinion jay, where they, they will take food um, almost six miles away. <laughs> six miles, Why? eleven kilometers. Why? Talk well, about it's... being picky, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't like these. I'm going over there. That's right. I've got to fly six miles. That's right. Well, and sometimes it's just because maybe there are clumps of pine trees that are too far away. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then so they have different caching sites they like to to create. And, you know, it's it's like going shopping. You got your favorite grocery stores. They got the right (laughs) foods or the right price. And I'm going a little further or passing you. Um, so that's our distance champion yeah. in the Jays for the caching. Um, yeah. You look at yeah Stellars and Blue Jays. Yeah. Pretty similar. Somewhere around two miles, give or take. Stellar mm-hmm. Jays are all, kind of their max is generally less than two miles or three kilometers. Yeah. But Blue Jays are a little more, two and a half miles, four kilometers. And, and this behavior mimics their natural behavior. This is this is yes. not the, you know there haven't been peanuts around <laughs> right. for all that long. <laughs> there have been acorns. Uh, they're acorn specialists, and this is what they traditionally oh, yeah. and naturally do with acorns. So you put the peanuts in the shell out, and they just absolutely do the same yeah. behavior with the peanuts that they do with the acorns. So it's a very natural process for them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, acorns and pine nuts and beech nuts and all sorts of different tree nuts mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. are sure. short. Our short distance uh, J for caching. I love this one. Like Woodhouses and California scrub jays is very short. Mm-hmm. They they may only go a few feet to a few yards away. It's that laid back California lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of food it's all good i'm just gonna hang out right here i love this area i'm gonna shop here and eat here uh, yeah. now they might go up to a third of a mile away you know a whole third of a mile there you go i, I just wonder man is that is that just because of about abundance of foods yeah exactly yeah, and that could be exactly. one of my favorites so john canada j yeah not so much uh distance but it's how they cash yeah. i yeah, love that because most birds literally hide them. You know, they, they bury, mm-hmm. like the blue jays actually make a cache in the ground, or sometimes they'll find a, a log or something that they can stick them in or whatever it might be. The Canada jay has a little different behavior. Mm-hmm. They use their spit. <laughs> <laughs> that Just would be lick tr- that, <laughs> stick it to the tree. <laughs> so they're using their saliva. It's like a little sticky uh saliva scenario that they have and they put it on the food and they stick it on tree trunk and generally even underneath branches on the tree trunk because you you figure a lot of those canada jays live in very snowy areas and what is amazing is they actually cache those foods above where the snow line is going to be so yeah that way once it snows they haven't hidden foods where it's not going to be buried under the snow so it's high enough in the trees that yeah. they're going to be able to get it after you get some big snows as winter's coming so that's just that's fascinating cool. that's very cool fascinating stuff I, I, I wonder if that's where the original inspiration for sticky notes came from <laughs> <laughs> sorry hmm. <laughs> you know inventions come from uh inspirations <clears throat> in nature so who knows <laughs> Well, you know, Velcro came from cocklebirds, cocklebirds. Right, right. You know, the, the, yeah, so it, it, I know it's a stretch, but 
Anyway. <laughs> That's right. Let's move on to another one of our little treats that we like to put out for the birds. Mm-hmm. One of our, both of our favorites. Bark butter. Oh, yes. Yeah, if you're not feeding bark butter, if you've never fed bark butter, and you, again, we've, we've promoted it quite often, and it's just a riot. I mean, it's just, I have to believe that my birds absolutely know when I'm going out to put the bark butter out because they're there within minutes. You know, literally mm-hmm. I'm walking back to the house and there's a red belly woodpecker on my tree where I put my bark butter, you know, taking advantage of the bark butter that put out there. So that is a great, that I, if there's anything I'm going to put besides peanuts and, and some of these other, anything that I'm really going to put really high at the top of the treat list mm-hmm. for birds, it's going to be bark butter. Yeah. Then I like that there's a trick of the trade for utilizing bark butter to get birds onto it as a mm-hmm. treat. And that is, you talked about putting on a tree trunk. Uh, and where birds are naturally hanging out and naturally foraging, put it in front of where you see them hanging out. Because uh, then they're going to find it faster. But it's also, you can put it on a bird feeder. Mm-hmm. If the birds are coming to a feeder regularly, put it on that bird feeder somewhere where they can yeah. see it. So they get introduced to it. Because once they get introduced to it, then they're going to find it wherever you're placing it in your yard so you can be watching them on a regular basis so you have our permission put a little bark butter somewhere on a feeder where the birds are feeding (laughs) and get them introduced to it to come into this wonderful treat yeah yeah exactly i was just up at my son and his uh, family and and uh we trying to maintain a bird feeder in the backyard and got two young kids and they get a kick out of it and and i'd uh taken some bark butter up with me and uh I just nice. used it on the outside of the, you know, the, where they have a uh, single suet telprop feeder. And uh, I just took the bark butter and kind of smeared it all over the front of the the uh, bark butter. I mean, in front of the suet cage. And uh, it was fun to watch the birds coming and going on that one. So, uh, yeah, lots of different tricks you can do to get the birds to find the food in the first place. Oh, used yeah. To it. Well, so, other treats, right? Other yeah. treats for the birds. Um, mealworms. Mealworms is just one of those great, great treats for the birds. Brings in all sorts of different birds. Bush tits and kinglets and, and warblers and bluebirds. Uh, so I love putting out mealworms. Um, mm-hmm. And if you can do it in an area, if you're not freezing throughout the winter, put out live mealworms. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't want to touch, um, as one of our co-workers talks about, <laughs> but she feeds them anyway. Who would that be? She uses she uses a spoon <laughs> so she doesn't have to touch them because she just loves seeing her birds come in and just really enjoy those treats. So you could do live mealworms or dried mealworms, either way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and if you're lucky enough in some parts of the country to still can you know have hummingbirds going into winter or have Orioles still or, going into winters, or yeah. all through the winter, or all through the winter, <laughs> uh, you know, again, nectar and fruits and jellies and things like that are another neat trick treat that you can put out for your birds but brian you we, we talked a little bit about you know leaving the leaves and, and that type of thing because of the insect life that's in them and it's a good treat for the birds but you know there's a lot of other things to do around your yard in regard to habitat uh that will ultimately be a big treat for the birds going throughout the winter mm-hmm. yeah don't deadhead your plants yeah if if john you talked about some different plants um that have seeds on them and 
if you can. Leave, leave those seed-headed plants out. Don't deadhead them. The birds are going to find them because that's what they find naturally in the wild. And so they're used to looking and coming and feeding on those. So enjoy having those out. Um, the birds are going to, it's, it'll be a great treat for them because now it's happening in your yard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mentioned to you earlier, my <laughs> my wildflower garden in the front bed in, the, in front of my house it got a little out of control this year. But what was cool about it, there were a lot of native plants that crept into that bed, you know, that I didn't, you know, we had wild uh, white snake root that showed up and and various other plants that uh, asters, some of the fall asters showed up that I've never planted those. They just happened to have it, uh, happened to show up. And, and, you know, it's just, and again, it kind of looks, I mean, when it was in bloom, oh my gosh, it was beautiful. And now it's getting a little, I, do I dare I say shaggy looking a little bit? Uh, but you know what? I'm going to resist the temptation to try to neaten it up and I'm going to leave all those seed heads up and, and let the birds take advantage of them through the winter. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I love hearing how the birds just naturally disperse those things. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. We talked earlier, oh, all the weeds with all the seed heads. A weed is just a native plant somewhere that you don't want it, right? (laughs) (laughs) I always heard a weed is a plant with a bad PR person. (laughs) (laughs) Is that in marketing? There's no bad press? That's right. That's right. There's no bad plants. No bad press, no bad plants. (laughs) Uh, Another one of those fun treat scenarios for you that's a nice trick of the trade, too, bringing back some tricks, a small brush pile. That helps the birds. That helps birds tremendously to have a place to duck in, maybe out of the weather or away from predators. Uh, Just feel safe, especially if you have a water feature. Have a small brush pile that you can put anywhere 10 to 15 feet away and allows the birds to duck in if they've been bathing, be able to dry off green, work those feathers um, in a a nice little safe protected area. So having a small brush pile, it does not have to be big. It can be very, um, if you're like in a homeowner's association area and maybe you can get away with a small, uh, neat, tidy looking brush pile. It does not have to be big and messy and, and crazy. All right. Any other tricks or treats that we can think of? I think we've covered quite a few. So pick one of your favorites and Give it a shot this fall. It should uh, help you going into the winter to see the bird activity in your yard, you know, hopefully increase and, and oh, sorry, red-shouldered hog just flew into my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Love I bird distractions dis- while we're recording. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, if you give it some of these, uh, like I said, the water, some of the foods, uh, not to deadhead your plants, put that brush pile out there. Give it a shot. I think you'll really be pleased with the with the results. Yeah. This uh, Halloween season, spooky season, pumpkin <laughs> spice season, whatever you want to call it, uh, have fun with it. And on behalf of Wild Birds Unlimited, I want to thank you for joining us today for Treats for the Birds, No Tricks. Uh, so, yes, please rate and review us. We check them out. We love to hear what you have to say. We truly do. So, until our next visit, when we're going to talk about, of course, it's November, And it's Thanksgiving month, and so we're going to take on feasting with feathered friends. What you can do in November to help your birds out and have a great feast themselves. So until then, Brian and I are going to continue to let nature be our guide. Please take care, be safe, and keep those feeders clean. Thanks for joining us, everyone. 
To subscribe to the podcast, get show notes, or find the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com forward slash podcast. We'd really appreciate you telling your friends about Nature Centered. But more than that, we hope you find a moment to relax, enjoy the birds, and stay nature-centered. Nature Centered.